Well, again, greetings. And it's so good to be here. I bring you greetings on behalf of the entire Board of World Mission staff, most especially our executive director, Brother Justin Robach. Um, and I also bring you greetings uh, on behalf of the partner provinces that we most closely work with. Um, here at the Board of World Mission, we don't work with all of the provinces in the Moravian Church worldwide. Uh, we are assigned a certain number, and so I bring you greetings from them, uh, most especially the northern and western provinces in Tanzania, which I got to visit just a few months ago. So I bring you greetings from them. Also from Sierra Leone, from Guyana, from the Eastern West Indies, Alaska, Peru, Labrador, where I was also pleased to visit not too long ago, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Jamaica. Uh, so greetings from all of those places to you, Moravians uh, worshiping around the world today, and uh, so I'm pleased to be here. Uh, last Sunday, I preached at Goshen Moravian Church in North Dakota. And uh, I bring greetings to the Salzwedels uh, who spent time there and know well that that is almost a foreign country in and of itself. <laughs> there was about two feet of snow on the ground. The temperature barely got above 10 degrees uh, and they thought it was spring because the sun was out and the wind wasn't blowing. Uh, uh, so I bring you greetings also from your brothers and sisters, your siblings in Christ uh, in North Dakota. Um, hear the, these words uh, as they come to us from the Gospel of Matthew today, and it, it's a list, and so I apologize in advance. My sermon will have a number of lists, but since Jesus gave us the first one, I'm just copying from there. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the weak or the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God or heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. May it be blessed to our reading, to our understanding, but most importantly, how we live in our lives. Friends, uh, even as small as I was in the seventh grade, I played football for Wiley Junior High right here in Winston-Salem. Mr. Sprinkle was the physical education teacher and also the head coach of said football team. I will never forget his pre-game pep talk on the first game of that season in the seventh grade. It went something like this. All right, men, 
He called us men, even though we were 11 and 12-year-olds. Men, I know that winning isn't everything, but it sure beats losing. And I want you to get out there, and I want you to get out there because I know you want to win. So on the first play of the game, I want you to show the other team that you're in charge, that you're going to dominate this game. So you have to hit that person across the line from you extra hard on that first play. You show them who's going to be in control of this game. You hit them hard and don't let up until the play is over. Well, after a few more inspirational thoughts, we ran ourselves out onto that field. And after the opening kickoff, we had the ball first. I was one of the wide receivers, and dare say I was not in the middle of the line. I was out on the edge of the line, um, and that first play was going to be a run around my end of the line. So my job was to block that offensive guard or the, the uh, defensive back that was right in front of me. So we all lined ourselves up, and I looked him right in the eye, and I gave him sort of a, a, a you know a smirk. Uh, but then he, he growled back at me. <laughs> and not only him, but I also then heard all of his teammates growl <laughs> back at us. And in a flash, I realized that their coach had given them the very same speech <laughs> that we had gotten and that he had added this growl thing just to further intimidate us to show us who was going to be in control. So we're lined up. And the ball is snapped, and I throw all of my 60 pounds as fast as I could get them going at this guy. Now, uh, time out. <laughs> because I was, I mean, I'm still not, I'm nowhere near being called tall. I was even smaller and shorter than my, my pants, literally. That what was supposed to be my knee guard was actually guarding the lower third of my shin. <laughs> And I think I spent more time hiking up my pants than I did anything that looked like a football play. So with that in mind, I'm running as fast as I can, as quickly as I can towards this guy to show him who's boss. And just as I'm about to launch myself at him, he reaches out and grabs my face mask on my helmet and turns it and throws me to the ground. <laughs> right then and there, I knew it was going to be a long day. But folks, isn't that really sort of what we're taught about how life works for us in the world today? Take control, intimidate, don't show any weakness, exude confidence by all means. A couple of years ago, I was watching the Women's Championship of the Australian Open on television, and it was China's Li Na against Kim Kleisters from Denmark. And I was amazed again at how, how these athletes could play the game of tennis so very well. I've often wondered, I'd like to just take one serve, one serve from a professional tennis player just to see if I could even get a racket near it. They go so fast. And I've often again wondered, how did they get to be so very good? And on this particular day, as I watched that event, I found out what the secret is. And it came during an advertisement between sets. And it turns out uh, that, that, that the secret is, is actually having confidence because you don't have any facial blemishes. 
true. It was an advertisement for proactive skincare, and it featured the number one tennis player, women's tennis player at the time, uh, Caroline Wozniacki. And, and she says that she gains her confidence by getting out there on the court and not having to worry about blemishes <laughs> on her face. So an another list for you. Not long ago, the Raleigh News and Observer published research on how society measures the success of men. I don't know why they didn't include women, but this was how society judges the success of men. Number one is his ability to make and conserve money. Number two, the cost, style, and age of his car. Number three, and this is my favorite, how much hair he has. <laughs> I used to be pretty good at that, but not anymore. Number four, his strength and his height. Something, again, I can't quite boast about. Number five, the job he holds and how successful he is at it. Number six, the sports that he likes. Number seven, how many clubs he belongs to. And I don't know if church membership is one of those clubs. And finally, a man's success is measured by his aggressiveness and his reliability. That's how our world keeps score. And it's very different, thanks be to God, from God's kingdom. Our world measures success by things like wealth and status and appearance. That's how they judge our worth. But God's kingdom is different. In God's kingdom, the score is kept by... Well, there is no score. God's kingdom is grace. And that's foolishness by our world's standards. In fact, Jesus in our gospel today uh, gives us that standard by which the kingdom of God works. Here, Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the ones who are all puffed up. Blessed are those, Jesus said, those who mourn, the brokenhearted, those who know they're being held in the arms of God when they need it most. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, the servants, not the ones throwing their weight around. No, not them. Blessed are the merciful, not the ones keeping score of wrongs being done to them. No, the ones looking towards forgiveness. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said. Those who look out not for their own good, but for the benefit of others and the kingdom of God. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And there is no more challenging thing to do than to stand between two people who are angry at each other. Jesus also said, blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted, especially if that persecution came because you stood up for somebody who was powerless. There would appear to be a wide gulf between our world's popular image of a successful person and what the kingdom of God is all about. So here's what's happening in our gospel lesson for this morning. Jesus has just started his ministry. He's gaining popularity. He's gathered his disciples. Large crowds are beginning to come and hear him preach. 
And in this particular sermon, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the sermon that many scholars really think was the very core of Jesus' teaching and probably a sermon that he preached over and over again. It was probably, as they say, his stump speech. And at least parts of this would come out no matter where he was. And he begins this particular sermon, which makes up chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. He begins this sermon with what we know as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. We don't exactly know why people came out to hear Jesus preach. Uh, we're, we're fairly certain that some, no doubt, saw maybe Jesus. This is the one who's leading the revolt. This is the one who's going to kick the Romans out of our towns and out of our country. No doubt some had heard about miracles and gathered to see well, what's going on with this guy. But I suspect there were more than a few that gathered that knew that Jesus had a heart of compassion. They wanted meaning and purpose in their lives. And isn't that what we want for ourselves and for our children, for the next generations? Meaning in life, happiness, to feel blessed and to be a blessing to others. The problem is that we don't grasp the true nature of contentment and blessedness very easily because it's elusive in our society. You see, we oftentimes think that contentment and feeling blessed comes with our outer circumstances. We believe that true happiness is uh, achieved when we check off all of those lists of, of, of wealth and fame and popularity. But it's very different in God's kingdom. In, in this world, we might say, blessed are those who make a fortune. Blessed are the pretty and the handsome ones. Blessed are the ones who gain the applause of their peers. Blessed is the one who is recognized as the darling of society. But on this particular day and on this particular mountain, uh, next to the Sea of Galilee, Jesus shared with his disciples the, that the world's concept of being blessed is elusive. It's most certainly not about what we have. Blessedness is not ba happiness based on, on what kind of a house we live. No, it's based instead on who we invite into our house. It's not the kind of clothes a per person might wear. It's the person who wears no matter what kind of clothes they have. Blessedness does not depend on clear skin. It depends on the soul that lies deep within that skin. Scientists have actually come up with a list. They've actually come up with a list. So one more list, bear with me, please, of things that actually do make people happy, that do make people content, that do make people feel as if they're blessed and being a blessing. Number one, scientists say, smile more. It makes you feel better, and it helps those around you feel better. Exercise at least seven minutes a day, not to sharpen and, and make your body look better, but simply to feel healthier. Sleep more because your body needs that rest to recover and repair itself, especially your brain. Spend more time with family and friends. Those are the ones that support you as you support them. Go outside more often. It connects you with God's good earth. Help other people, scientists say. We gain happiness by knowing that we made someone else's life a bit better. 
Plan a trip, scientists say, even if you don't take it. Studies show that actually the, most, the thing people enjoy most about their vacation is planning it. Actually doing it if the weather's rotten and the planes don't show up on time and there's bad, tra- you know, that ends up more stressful. But planning vacation, at least my vacations, the weather is always, always perfect. Move closer to work, scientists say. Sometimes a a commute is a nice way to unwind and get away from it all, but it's also more stressful. I say move closer to work and take a walk to unwind. And finally, practice, simply practice gratitude and give thanks for the blessings that you have. Now, a bit later this morning during the Sunday school hour, I'll have the privilege of, of, excuse me, sharing some amazing projects that the Board of World Mission is engaged in right now. And all of those things are made possible only by the simple generosity of thousands of Moravian Church members coming from 175 or so Moravian congregations across North America. These are big projects, some of which cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. But this generosity begins with each one of us individually employing the Beatitudes that Jesus shared with his disciples 2,000 years ago. I read an article in the New York Times this past week about a farmer by the name of Hody Childress in the small town of Geraldine, Alabama. Mr. Childress, every month for the past decade or so, has gone to the pharmacy and given the pharmacist at least $100 to be used to pay for the prescriptions of some of the poor people in his town. The article goes on to say that Mr. Childress himself grew up in a poor family who were subsistence farmers. He wound up joining the Air Force, spent some years there, and then got a job with Lockheed Martin for 20 years before retiring and returning to farming. His wife died from complications due to multiple sclerosis, and he knew the stress of paying for medications, even with his job. He knew that those presently suffering in the poverty with which he grew up, would be hard-pressed to afford the medicines that they might need for their family. So every month, he would secretly give the pharmacist at least $100 to pay for the medicines of those who might need it. The pharmacist reported that routinely this paid for the medications of at least two families every month for all of that time. Mr. Childress died just a few weeks ago And only then did the wider community learn who was paying for the medicine. And now his family, along with others across the United States, especially since the New York Times this past week, many across the country have vowed to continue his legacy. Last week, the pharmacist said they got a check from Tennessee. And on Monday, a person called from Miami and told her that if she didn't need the money for somebody there in Geraldine, he was going to approach his local pharmacist and start his own Hody Childress account. When his daughter was asked what motivated her father to give so generously, she simply said, giving that way, that was just in his heart, and he felt like he needed to do it. I say he was a blessed man, blessed not only in who he was, but blessed in what he did for others in his own quiet way. 
in a world awash with a me-first attitude, the option to live by the values in God's kingdom of being a peacemaker, one who is uh, pure in heart and meek and poor in spirit and merciful, one who is willing to initiate reconciliation rather than division, one who is willing to work for the good of others. That, my friends, is God's kingdom. As Jesus speaks to his disciples today, these enduring beatitudes can help us define our mission that can be around the corner, down the street, across the world, across the world. These enduring beatitudes help define a mission for each of our lives, a mission of serving one another. God's kingdom is very different from our world. And thanks be to God, I'm standing in a room where God's kingdom exists. And thanks be to God for indeed leading us to our mission to help others to be an attitude of love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.